Hello, my name is Lee Eric Fesco, and I'm the Director of Discipleship at Christ Presbyterian Church. Can I start off by asking you a question? How often do you think about the return of Christ? Is that something you think, think about on a daily basis? Does, does the prospect of Christ's return have any effect on how you live from day to day? Well, this is what we want to consider today. And if you haven't already, you may want to pause the video and read 2 Peter chapter 3. That's what this study is about today. 2 Peter chapter 3, which concerns the day of the Lord, the day he returns to, as, as the Apostles' Creed tell us, tells us to judge the living and the dead. This, this is the way the whole thing will come to an end, but not, not for the Christian. It's just the beginning. History will come to an end with the return of Christ. And it's at that moment when the new heavens and the new earth will be ushered in. How often, how often do you think about that day? How often do you think about this event and, and what it means for you? How, how does this event affect the way you live your life as a part of the people of God? I know when I was a kid, I would hear people talk about the return of Christ. And sometimes I would hear people say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I would think to myself, hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> you know, I'm not in any hurry for the world to come to an end. I don't want to see what all that's about. I want to see how things turn out. You know, I'm just getting started. And then, well, you get a little older. Your eyes open up to the things that maybe you didn't pick up on as a child. And you get a greater sense that the world is broken. The world needs repair. And now, now it's me. Now it's me. I'm the one saying, yes, Lord, please come quickly. So what, what is the meaning of that? Why is it that I hope that the Lord comes quickly? What is it that I'm hoping for when I, when I pray that the Lord come quickly? Is it just, is this just a, a day to look forward to in the future the same way I might look forward to my next vacation? Well, the Apostle Peter tells us that this day is more than just something to look forward to. We look at it as a day of hope, yes, but the knowledge of that day, the knowledge of that day should have an impact on how we live today. Our behavior today is changed by the knowledge of what we hope for in the return of Christ. So how does that work? The apostle tells us that the day of the Lord is a certainty. It will happen. That's the first thing we want to consider. Then he tells us that the Lord is exercising his patience as we approach that day. That's the second thing we'll want to look at. And then lastly, the apostle tells us this will be a day of renewal. Certainty, patience, and renewal. Let's consider those things. First, certainty. This day will come. Don't you love the feeling of, of being proven right about something? I know that might sound a little petty, but again, if I'm being honest, it's nice once in a while to say, ha, I told you so, right? My kids, my kids hate it when I say that, but because I'm always actively trying to teach them something. In that respect, I, I like to be proven right. See, I'm not just talking nonsense, kids. Peter is telling the Christian here that, that he's writing uh, about those that scoff at them. Those who insist, no, no, the Lord isn't coming back. Everything is, is just going to remain the same as it ever was. After God created the world, he set it into motion and he took his hands off the wheel. This is it. This is all there is to it. The Lord isn't intervening in creation anymore. And then Peter reminds them, oh no, oh no. You'll have your day, brothers and sisters. You will be able to answer your scoffers. God is not a distant, inactive force. He reminds them that God already has intervened. First, by his own words, he spoke the world into existence. And by those words, 
He not only created the universe, but he sustains it as well. He sustains it. It's, it's, it's his to do with as he pleases. The author of Hebrews reminds us, that, reminds us that Jesus Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. So he didn't just start the world and walk away. He upholds it and he sustains it. And then Peter reminds them he's intervened on another occasion as well. And then uh, he reminds them that he filled the earth with water and he all but destroyed it. He intervened and did that. And the same one who has power over creation, who is now active in it, who has placed his hand of judgment over the earth on another occasion, he will one day call the scoffers to answer. And that fact, and, and that fact that, he, that he's done it before gives us reassurance that he is active and that he will come back one day and do it all again. We can be certain of it. We can believe that. So yes, we can be certain he's a God of his word, but can we really rest in that? What we really want to know is when, right? When? When is he coming back, right? When will he return and, and when will our certain hope be realized? The Christians that Peter is talking to here, and, and likely all the church, don't you know that they were living with the hope that Jesus would return at any moment? I mean, before Jesus ascended to heaven, it was clear they hadn't put all the pieces together. Right before he went up to heaven, the disciple asked, now? Is it now, Lord? Now are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I don't know about you, but if I were Jesus, I, I might have said, really? That's the last question you're going to ask me before I leave? You just don't get it, do you? And then in the days, weeks, and years to come, they began to realize through the power of the Holy Spirit, no, this isn't about a military victory. Jesus' presence on, earth, presence on earth wasn't about a military victory. It was about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. And his ascension is about him sitting at the right hand of God, ruling in the hearts of all believers all over the world. All over the world, not just the little sliver of land in Israel, but all over the world. But even then, how many of the disciples wondered, Okay, so it's not about restoring the kingdom of Israel, but Jesus is coming back, right? Like, in my lifetime, right? Right? A generation passed, and then another, and then another, and another, and still, here we are some 2,000 years later, and Christ still hasn't returned. What's taking him so long, right? What's he waiting for? And Peter tells us with plain simplicity, we serve a patient God. Peter tells us in verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, meaning he's not just taking his time for the sake of taking his time, but he continues, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Okay, so that's a curious statement, isn't it? So the Lord is waiting around to see what we're going to do. He's going to wait for as many as possible to repent. And then when he gets tired of waiting, then he'll come back. Is that what's taking so long? He's waiting on us. It's going to be a long wait, right? No, he's not waiting on us. Make no mistake about it. The Lord knows the exact day, the exact moment he'll return. That, that day has been fixed. So then why is he talking about God being patient with us if that day is fixed? It's very mysterious, isn't it? Is the day fixed or is the Lord waiting for us to repent? And beyond that, further down, verse 12, the apostle suggests that we can hasten the day of his return by living lives of holiness and godliness. 
It sure seems that the Lord is waiting around for us when you read that. No wonder it's taking so long. No wonder it's been 2,000 plus years. Again, it's very mysterious with God, who is not bound by time or space, which the apostle alludes to. Both of these things can be true. He knows the day and the hour, and he waits patiently for us to repent and live holy lives. You see, God ordained the day of his coming. He sets it in stone. He set that in stone. But, but also know this. He not only ordained the day, but he ordained that the day would come after all his purposes for, for saving believers and building his kingdom in this present age had been accomplished. And those purposes are accomplished when he works through people like us, people like you and me, to bring about his purposes. But from our human perspective, from the way we see the world, and in our concept of time, when we share the gospel with, with, with people and it advance the kingdom of God, we do hasten the day of the Lord's return. So in this, we see God's patient and his fixed sovereign will in play. And we have to hold those two things together in, in, in uh, intention, understanding that God is Lord over it all. He's fixed the day of his return, and he's patient with us in working out his purposes. So the day of Christ is certain. It's an expression of, of God and his patience. And best of all, this is my favorite part. The last thing we want to consider, and this is the one that really affects how we live our lives from day to day. The day of Christ is a day of renewal. The pattern of God, as we've observed all through Scripture, is that God is not one to destroy something and, and start over. Again, he could have completely eliminated the earth when, when Noah and the flood. He didn't eliminate it, right? God is a rebuilder. God is, is, is a redeemer. He, he's not only one that makes new things, but he makes things new again. Again, he's a redeemer. And really, as a Christian, this is, this is perhaps the greatest hope. Why does evil abound? Why does sin persist? Why do we deal with things like death? What hope do we have when we see things like this abound every day and all around us? As I'm sure many of you know, but many of you don't know, I, I recently lost my father to what seemed like a really rapid battle with cancer. From diagnosis to death, it was a span of about six weeks. And when you're rattled in that way, when you see someone you love disappear before your eyes, I can't tell you how many times I had the thought, I don't know how people who live without the hope of Christ go through something like this. I don't know how it's possible. Without the hope of Christ, what is there left to do but despair? That's it. A loved one, I, 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 I'm never going to be seeing them again. Where is any semblance of hope in that? But it's not that way for the Christian, is it? Verse 13, but according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. New heaven and a new earth. Again, the language here suggests that this is more closely speaking of renewal. Not that God will start from scratch. The Apostle John, the Apostle John reassures us of this in his writing of Revelation when he describes this day in Revelation 21.5. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Not all new things, I'm making all things new. And again, what this suggests is that when this day comes, it's not that he's starting from scratch, but making all things new suggests that he will undo what's wrong. 
He will unwind the clock of, of tragedy and death and destruction, and it won't just go away, but it will be undone. And, and what this scripture assures us of is, is, is that to behold this, to see it, to know it, to see tragedy undone, it will give us a greater love for what we will witness in Christ. We'll have a greater appreciation of his glory for having experienced the hardship when we see God undo it. Can you see how the day of the Lord, the knowledge of that day, how it can affect your day-to-day -day living? The only reason I can speak of something like the death of my father and not fall into despair is by the knowledge that I carry of what Christ assures me he will do upon his return. When he comes back, and makes it all good again. This is also from Revelation 21, the verse right before the declaration of all things new. It says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be more, no mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The former things passing away. We'll have knowledge of what they are, but they'll be impotent. That their sting will be removed and powerless to affect us because of, of, of what was once broken will be made new again. Friends, I hope you long for the day of Christ's return. Again, not just because we can't wait to be done with where we are now, but because as long as we continue to, to long for that day, it changes the way we are today and has the power to bring God's kingdom here on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May it be so. Amen and amen.